0: On this episode, Draco Malfoy was called the world's largest fart, and he will forever be referred to as such, and I can't even take credit for it. Welcome to Belated Binge, the Harry Potter podcast that doesn't take itself or the books too seriously. I'm Zach, and this was a fun one. Body swaps, Hermione gets a tail, and the trio have some serious work to do on their planning skills. I was joined for this by Taylor, one of the co-hosts of Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories Podcasts. And we covered Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Chapter 12, Polyjuice Potion.
1: They stepped off the stone staircase at the top, and Professor McGonagall rapped on the door. It opened silently, and they entered. Professor McGonagall told Harry to wait and left him there alone.
0: The Belated Binge Podcast. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to the Belated Binge Podcast. I'm Zach, your host, revisiting some of the most iconic series in recent memory that I was incredibly late on like our current binge of Harry Potter, where, despite being the same age as movie Harry, I didn't read this series through until my mid-twenties. That's the belated part. Now, we're going back a chapter or two at a time, picking it apart, deep-diving what's on the page, speculating about what isn't, particularly Dumbledore's role and his master plan. What did he know? When did he know it? And the motivations guiding the story, and, of course, infusing as much sarcasm as humanly possible that is the binge part together they make the belated binge and today we continue our reread of harry potter and the chamber of secrets with chapter 12 the polyjuice potion and i'm super excited to introduce our special guest but before we can do that there are rules to this shit one this podcast will have spoilers this series wrapped up in 2007 if you haven't read them by now you're even later than i was two this podcast will also have some adult language. You can buy them in the kids section at the bookstore, but I didn't read them, so I was a grown ass man. Shout out to our free elf patron, Alex Sweatland, and now we can. I just I, so I'm going to do the little intro thing as much as I can, um, but I'm I'm kind of giddy if I'm honest. Uh, our guest claims to be a nerd about two things podcasts and marvel but it turns out there's a third thing and that's harry potter so i had to make this crossover clash of just fantastic nerddom happen if at all possible it's taylor from let's talk marvel theories hi
1: hello so glad to be here i am a big fan of harry potter big movie girl i know that's like sacrilegious on this show but Grew up watching the movies, so so happy to be here and talk to the books this time. Had to re listen to them to get ready. <laughs> I'm pumped.
0: Nice. So, before we get into why you're here, of course, tell us everything about your podcast.
1: Sure. So, my show is myself and my younger sister, and we talk all things MCU including the movies, everything on Disney Plus. We're going back through all the movies that we missed before our show started. So if there's a show that's out on Disney Plus or a movie coming out, you know, we're covering it week in, week out, and we nerd out hard on it. So we're there all the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So why Marvel? Like what got you into the idea of the podcast? Like why did you pick Marvel? All of that.
1: Yeah, so um, for me personally, Civil War, I think Captain America Civil War might just be like the peak of cinema up until, you know, Endgame and Infinity War. I'm a real big fan of like, you know, big crossover events where you have tons of characters and they're insane. And I remember walking out of Civil War, being a a casual fan prior to that and thinking, oh, my God, this is everything. And then from there, I binged through, you know, the rest of the MCU, caught myself up and have basically been kind of obsessed ever since. My sister's the same way. She caught on a little earlier than I did. So when we were bored during the pandemic, she was like, and she had to create a podcast for one of her classes. She was like, why don't we do this like full time? And then we decided to do that. And a year and a half later, here we are. So it's uh, a <laughs> been a fun project in the making for sure.
0: So you could almost say that you did a belated binge perhaps
1: just a little bit yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) sorry that is incredibly cheesy um it's ironic though because um marvel is kind of similar for me to harry potter just a little bit different i was absolutely clueless i didn't know anything about marvel before uh my wife and i started dating and i always like say tell at least part of the story on this podcast, that's how I ended up going back and reading Harry Potter was because I was like putting the movies on as like background noise for us at dinner and stuff like that. And I kept peppering her with questions because I was like, this is kind of cool, but what the fuck's going on? And she's like, (laughs) you got to read the books because it's not going to make any sense. And now I hate the movies because I actually like the books and they're terrible adaptations. Great popcorn movies, terrible adaptations of the events in the book. But Marvel was similar. She she was like she liked Captain America, so I watched it for like the first time, and oh, oh this is kind of cool. So I like have seen some of the stuff, but I am Harry Potter. I went back and I went all the way through the complete nerddom. Let's say with Marvel, I hit the hits. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. There's also a lot more Marvel than there is Harry Potter. You know, so eight movies much. versus twenty six movies and like seven or eight shows <sighs> i mean so the much. comics too there's like oh my god 70 years worth of comics like that's where i just dabble because i'm like i can't even tell you how to do it like they all have one continuity but it's just blows my mind so i'll pick one up here and there and i get all excited about it but i can't do a full comics reread because i think i'd be 105 by the time i finish so
0: that's fair that's definitely <laughs> fair i don't know i i like I've tried and I try to like keep up with so, basically the movies when the movies come out like I'll see the movies at some point and that's got, it kind of just where I draw the line I haven't gone back to every single movie that and now that they're bringing in like Spider-Man and stuff like I'm not I'm I'm I was behind when I started now I'm even farther behind I don't know <laughs> at some point maybe they'll maybe this will turn into a Marvel podcast after the Harry Potter world is done I have no idea but right now it's like oh hey captain america is a thing and there's that big green guy no it's yep. not that bad but and now
1: anyways. there's a new captain america so it's even better <laughs> it's great now there's two of them
0: also. yeah because that makes sense to i don't know i sure i do your thing because <laughs> <yeah>, whatever <laughs> um but so anyways Let's for a second, let's kind of like peek behind the curtain. I had this kind of weird theory when I first talked to you because we talked, it was actually a while back. It was a like we somehow ran into each other on like Twitter in a weird like promo swap opportunity thing. And I was like, hey, you know yes. what? People that love Harry Potter are nerds. They are. We're, we're mm-hmm. fucking nerds. People that <laughs> love Marvel, they're nerds. I bet there's a lot of nerds that love both of these things. And then when I floated that by you, your response was, I love Harry Potter. And I was like, hey, Mm -hmm. look, theory confirmed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Very small sample size, but 100% confirmation.
0: (laughs) And I stopped there. I absolutely stopped there. But I guess now we're going to find out a little bit. Um, So I guess tell, like, what's your Harry Potter story to kind of bring this thing around a little bit?
1: Yeah, so actually like you, I wasn't as late as you, but I was late considering my age. So I kind of came up, was, you know, growing up as the books were kind of finishing up or had just finished up, and they Mm -hmm. were actually finishing the movies as well. So I was in middle school when I finally went back and actually read the books, loved them, I devoured them so quickly, and just caught on to the tail end of kind of Harry Potter mania when... Movie 7 Part 2 came out, so I got to see that, mm-hmm. do the whole midnight premiere thing, and for one movie, got to do the live, you know, everybody's so excited because it's Harry Potter. That's how late I was on it, so like you, I also had to catch <laughs> up, um, but it's definitely, it's become kind of a family thing, like, my sister loves them, my dad doesn't really read the books, but he loves the movies, um, nice. I think it's like your, to your point, like as standalone movies, they're super fun. So mm-hmm. you know they'll have the Christmas uh, marathons. We'll catch them as a family. So there's a lot of like cool family memories tied into these books too.
0: Nice. Did you dress up for the midnight release thing? Did you wear cloak and get <sighs> a wand and all that stuff?
1: I don't think I had my wand yet because we did do the Harry Potter world in Florida, so I have (laughs) the Elder Wand, TBD where that is, um, but I had it. I did, though, steal (laughs) the... They had the Harry Potter 3D glasses, and we didn't see it in 3D, but I did stick my hand in the little bucket, (laughs) grab the Harry Potter-shaped 3D glasses, pop out the lens, and I had those for the longest time. I still don't know where those are either, but yes. So I I didn't dress up, but I did steal some dress-up things.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. It... If you can't dress up to the thing, absolutely steal shit. That's a perfect motto exactly. to live by.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> I do this thing uh, when I ask uh, a guest to come onto the show, I let them pick the chapter that yes. they come on for. You specifically chose the Polyjuice Potion.
1: Why? I As I mentioned, I'm a big movie girl. So I was like, when I was thinking about book two, I was like, all right, visualizing the movie and like this chapter just like stands out. I was like, it was the first one I thought of. I was like, oh my God, the Polyjuice Potion, you know, something about like visualizing poor, oh my gosh, what's her name? Emma Watson with like the cat fur and like all (laughs) of it. I was like, yes, this is the one. And it's, you know, I know we'll get into, you know, foreshadowing things later, but like Polyjuice Potion is like so important. So I was like, this is going to be like a really good one to talk about.
0: Oh, I know. It's, it's bonkers how much this comes back. It's insane. Oh my
1: gosh, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Alright, so, before we can get into Polyjuice Potion, in case you were obliviated, or you got your Hogwarts letter late, or are still possibly waiting, let's shove our faces into that white liquidy substance of our pensive. In the last chapter, The Dueling Club, a lot went down that I may or may not have ranted about logistically and plot wise. I will do my best to not repeat myself too much, but The gist of the Dueling Club chapter was Harry got out of the hospital wing. Percy got some in the library. The trio pulled off their weird, like, heist without a hitch to rob Snape for polyjuice potion ingredients. Lots of fireworks, literally. Lockhart led school-sanctioned Magic Fight Club and continued to be an incompetent douchebag. Uh, Draco whipped his snake out for the entire school to see. Harry saved Justin Finch Fletchley from being eaten by said snake. The whole school saw Harry speak Parseltongue and now think he's the heir of Slytherin. Which is perfect timing for Justin to get petrified and Harry to be found at the scene and end the chapter by being escorted to Dumbledore's office by Prof. McGee, And that's where we left off. But before we can move on into this week's chapter, we need to close the book on the last chapter completely by recapping our... Expecto. Expecto. Plot change-o. This is the part of the show where we theorize on what we would expect to change in our story if we made one small tweak to the plot of the chapter that we're covering. In last chapter, I asked, what if Lockhart let Snape vanish the snake properly? Harry never had to use tongue in front of the class, so... How could that have changed events in the chapter? How could that have changed events in the future? Any thoughts on that potential uh, scenario from you?
1: Yeah, so I think, I mean, you touched on how, basically speaking, Parseltongue was a huge red flag for everybody Mm -hmm. who was not, you know, a fan of Harry's already for him being the heir of Slytherin, but I think, one thing that struck me is, like, at the end of the day, Harry, uh, not Harry, at the end of the day, Draco was the one who summoned the snake, right? So, you know, Harry already had his suspicions about him. I think that kind of pushes the suspicions more on Draco because why would he, I mean, he is a Slytherin, so then it makes sense for him to choose the snake, but it also kind of pushes him kind of more to the forefront of being, you know, a top suspect, in, at least in my head. That's how my logic would work. So I could see it, I'm pivoting, you know, more from, Harry to Draco being kind of the top guy if you will in the spotlight when it comes to being the heir of Slytherin
0: interesting yeah and it's funny that there's never any mention of other classmates who are like hey Salazar Slytherin was big into snakes Draco just flopped a snake on the table here no correlation at all yeah, no it was. One. It
1: wasn't until he spoke Parseltongue that people people were like, "Oh, he Snakes. speaks Parseltongue." Yeah, yeah, but there was still a snake, and he didn't bring the snake <laughs> to the party. So, <laughs> right. hello.
0: <laughs> right, I completely agree with you, uh, and that's a take that I I didn't think of because from my perspective, I think that you were sort of alluding to it could have been a kind of a huge, uh, boost, I guess, for Harry's like day to day life at Hogwarts. Let's not forget yeah. that Harry was kind of already being rumored as the heir of Slytherin, but as soon as he, like, showed to people that he could talk to snakes, it's, it's a wrap. School has <laughs> totally. just decided, yeah, like, this dude is evil. He's the heir that just carted him off to Azkaban now and watch all the stuff still go down. Anyways, um, <laughs> so maybe maybe without the Parseltongue, it's not as universal, throughout the school, maybe yeah. he gets a little less suspicion. Uh, maybe a little more support, maybe? Maybe? Yeah. Uh, maybe he's able to enjoy life at Hogwarts away from his abusers just a little bit more. Um, But I mean, people still suspected him and so it probably wouldn't have made too big of a difference. But, if when I dug a little bit deeper, based on a theory that uh, in last episode Ellen from for Fox's sake shared, literally bursting out in the middle of the episode and scaring everyone involved, probably everyone listening as well, she exclaimed, is the only word that I can use for this, that she thought Dumbledore might have actually set up the snake scene to confirm that Harry was a parcel mouth. Like he was already suspicious about it, and so he set up a way to confirm it. I didn't necessarily agree that that's how this went down, but I do think that this is when Dumbledore learns of Harry's ability and it's a big key, like, piece of information for Dumbledore piecing together the connection between Harry and Voldemort and how some of that, like, uh, magic in- inference, a transfer, whatever you want to call it, uh, is... Um, actually took place. So it's it's very important <laughs> to the plot of this series, I think, even if it does suck a giant basilisk um <laughs> that he now has to go through the school year with similar emotional abuse from his classmates that he gets at home with the Dursleys. Very happy.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting that she said that because I'm going back to when you were covering book 1. You talked a lot about how when they had, the, had to go through the trial to get to the stone, like, that was actually, they were, you know, easy enough that an adult, you know, should have had no problem. And yeah. they were, seemed to be more set up for the kids, right? And so thinking about what Harry had to do to get to the Chamber of Secrets, like, you, he had to speak Parseltongue. So, like, it's almost like Dumbledore had to confirm that, like, he could even get into the chamber to stop the Basilisk because without the Parseltongue he couldn't have.
0: So in your little headcanon theory here, Dumbledore already knows where the entrance to the chamber is and how to get in.
1: I didn't go that far, but I guess that is what I'm saying. (laughs) Hmm.
0: That opens up, like, I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility with Dumbledore, honestly. But it does open up more ridicule for Dumbledore as a character and, like, the security nightmare that is hogwarts that he lets students get (laughs) petrified knowing full damn well where the entrance is and like how to get into it and that it exists and all of that like obviously he knows it exists but uh i don't know
1: that's maybe maybe to give him the benefit of the doubt maybe he doesn't know where it is but just knows like there has to be some sort of like you know, knowing Salazar Slytherin—not that he like knew him personally, but like kind of like what his ho- whole ethos was—that there had to be some kind of proof that it was in fact, you know, the heir of Slytherin because only he or she could have done that. I don't know. Maybe, that's... maybe that's a little bit nicer to Dumbledore.
0: And also plausible because, yeah, if you think about who Dumbledore is as a character, he's always in the background trying to figure out shit. Mm -hmm. And he's usually on track, even if he doesn't have a solution or whatever. Like he, you know, he could have very easily pieced together. Okay. However, Tom Riddle got to the chamber the first time, it would have had to have had something to do with his hair, heritage to Salar, that's a bright word. I don't know. I'm not an English major. Um, (laughs) a it would have had to have had something to do with that family lineage and that bloodline and what is an ability and gift that passes down that would be unique enough to say only my true heir could do this thing parcel tongue's is up there because we yeah. only know of like him and i think it's mentioned that there are a couple others maybe like offhand at some point in the series but like it's not a very common thing Yeah. So I like it. I like where you're going with this. And this is exactly why I have this segment. You've heard the show before. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for
0: that. (laughs) (laughs) I very much appreciate it. (laughs) Okay, so now we must do this week's uh, question in which I have to flip the camera around on my phone i'm never ready for this uh i've mentioned this before i've tried to do this by like going backwards so i can try to get the guest in the shot and it just never works ever ever <laughs> uh so here we go this week's expecto plot o question from chapter 12 of chamber of secrets the polyjuice potion what if hermione got the right hair and actually got to go along to interrogate Malfoy in the Slytherin common room. How could that have changed the immediate events in the chapter? Would it have any lasting impact on the story at all? Let me know your thoughts to be included in the next episode of the podcast, either right here or with a voicemail on my website, belatedbinge.com. So I will post that video on social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, they're all at Belated Binge. You can respond with your thoughts on any of those platforms as a voicemail on my website, as I said 14 seconds ago in the video for social. Uh, Any other thoughts, anything on that question or whatever before we jump into this chapter?
1: Yeah, just one simple sentence. Um, They would have gotten a lot more information because Hermione is like a lot more put together than the two of them so i think they would have been a lot further along a lot sooner um if she had gone along with them for sure that's all i'm gonna say
0: (laughs) i agree with you and i think that it might come back up later but i think she also probably had more of this plan fleshed out under the guise of i'm gonna be there with them once they're on their own shit show ensues Every Which is, time. Yep, and it's perfect timing <laughs> to get into that shit show. Prior, in chapter. We've reached the point where our wands connect. Not the tips, just the streams. So we can recap what went down in the chapter we just read. This week, chapter 12, the Polyjuice Potion starts with Harry being left alone in the principal's office. Thanks, Prof. McG. And Dumbledore's office is apparently as quirky as he is, and Harry spots something familiar on a shelf the sorting hat if you're in Harry's shoes would you walk over and put the hat on or just recognize it as a thing and move on about your day
1: um I need to know so like if I was like questioning my whole identity I would (laughs) need to know (laughs) it feels like a big thing to do as a 12 year old
0: (laughs) (laughs) is it weird that like it works like what's it doing all year long if it actually works in this moment? Like you almost think that it's something that just goes in rest mode or something for the whole year.
1: Well, yeah. And then like thinking about later in the book too, like what it does, like, I feel like in my head, there's so much that the sorting hat does in it's like quote unquote off time when they aren't (laughs) like onboarding new students that like is not touched on. Like, it just brought up Godric Gryffindor's sword. Like, okay, what else can it do? Like, can we explore that for a little bit? You know?
0: I do. I I kind of want to know because you're right. It's like, okay, so for these fifteen minutes, one time a year, it has a purpose. What the hell is happening? The other, you can do the math. I don't know. A whole bunch of time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I have real questions about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I guess. So from an outcome perspective. Do you think that the hat got it right? Is Harry in the right house?
1: I do. much according to the book, like, so much of what you are, like, yes, you're born with it. It's kind of like the whole nature versus nurture thing. I think mm-hmm. the hat is interesting in the way that it takes in your nature, which is like what would have put him in Slytherin. No. Yeah. What would have put him in Slytherin? But then the whole nurture thing is like how he is and how he is as a person puts him in Gryffindor because he makes that decision to not potentially go down the dark path. So it like takes in both like what you're inclined to naturally but also like the active choices you make. So I think the choices that he's made have always been bravery and valor and things like that which is naturally going to incline towards Gryffindor.
0: I think that's interesting because you are inherently saying that at his core he would just be a Slytherin. And I don't think you're alone in thinking that. I think there are a lot of people that see the, like, Slytherin, you know, Harry should have been in Slytherin. Hell, I don't know if you ever watched Super Carlin Brothers or, like, listened to them at all. Like, these, they just did a, like, eight video series on YouTube about what if Harry was put into Slytherin and they, like, rewrote the story. Actually, really compelling parts that um, were much better uh, in some ways. (laughs) Some were completely bonkers but hey they wrote it uh shout out to them they still don't know I exist but I bring them up a lot um I've just always pushed back on the whole concept of Harry even being considered for slytherin and I did it on the pod so I'm not gonna like rehash the whole thing but I think it I always took it as what pushed him possibly into slytherin was the bit of Voldemort's soul inside of him. And those were the traits that were being, like, triggered there. But Harry himself, like, we know that family ties matter. And everyone that we hear his dad, his mom, his grandparents down the magical bloodline, all Gryffindors. Gryffindors, like, traits, characteristics, all that, like you just said, every choice he's ever made has all leaned into that. It was literally the house... That was created around Harry's personality and his like character traits. So there, in my mind, there's a 0% chance that he should have been considered for anything else, albeit the little bit of Tom Riddle that was living inside of him. And I just never thought that that should have been enough to make it that that hard of a decision, I guess. And maybe I'm wrong. I probably am.
1: I totally see what you're saying. I think it makes a lot of sense, because I thought that too. The one thing I will say, like, when you bring up the family ties, Harry wasn't raised by his family. He was raised in, like, a very dark and unhappy childhood, so I think that too, like, kind of can breed some of those more negative sides of a Slytherin, so I'm thinking, like, maybe that also could bring some of that, like, you know, the, like I know one of their big ones is ambition, and like Harry's not overly ambitious, but like oh. some of the <laughs> like, <laughs> some of the like darker, you know, like vengeance and things like that, that I kind of associate with Slytherin for right or wrong like, you know, there is some times where he is kind of you know, against the Dursleys, like very you know, even when he even when he comes back from year one, for example, when he doesn't tell them he can't use magic, like that's just a small way that he's like getting back at them and like making them live in fear. Which to me, I would associate with more of a Slytherin trait, kind of that conniving. So I don't know. Maybe there is some you know little bits based on his you know the way he was raised in the household in which he was you know brought up.
0: I can follow you. I I can follow you down that. Um, and I'm not. I'm not against anybody that has the take that he should have been in Slytherin. I just, I don't, I guess I don't read it in him. You know, I've Mm -hmm. never seen him do anything that was actually ambitious. He actually wants to shy away from the spotlight and kind of be normal and in the background, which is the opposite of ambition. He's not particularly cunning. He's kind of not smart enough to be cunning. He is sort of oblivious to what's going on. He's an average joe by every definition of the word, which is the literal opposite of what Slytherin actually covets. And yeah. and I you know, he's he's not pureblood whatever. Like that's not that big of a deal because there's not enough purebloods for it to just be the pureblood house. Um but it yeah, it it it's interesting to me a little bit like how how widely different interpretations can be of oh, the same, totally. same words on the page we all come yeah. to different conclusions um <laughs> so anyways that's uh rabbit hole aside uh harry takes off the hat and he figures out he's not alone in the room but it's not dumbledore that he sees it's fox the phoenix a phoenix is a cool creature and at some point we learn that it's dumbledore's patronus and they're fantastic beasts. We learn that there's a family connection between Dumbledores and Phoenixes, and like they're just kind of cool. And I'm kind of curious, like, what are your thoughts on just the Phoenix itself?
1: Well, it's so funny you ask. So my alma mater, shout out to Elon University. Woo! We are the Phoenixes. So nice. I am a big. I have lots of things with Phoenixes on them. We have a big Phoenix statue. I think they're really cool you know and even going you know a little bit deeper than just like that was my mascot in college you know (laughs) i think (laughs) the whole metaphor of like being you know really brought down you burn up in flames and you know everybody's had that moment where you're like oh crap like something just blew up in my face but the idea that we can like rise from it and learn from it my favorite thing about, or one of my favorite things about Stan Lee is his catchphrase of Excelsior, ever upward, right? And I think that that kind of has the same metaphor as the phoenix. Like, something bad happened, but you're, re- you're coming out of the ashes, ever upward, kind of similar. So I'm really into that whole, like, coming out and being reborn. So I love the phoenix. I think it's pretty cool. Nice. That was deep. Or I tried to be.
0: <laughs> that was. That was, I, I feel like we need, we need some levity. We need a joke um is there anything that we can nope i got nothing so (laughs) what about other uh other i guess fantastic beasts in the series for lack of a better way to put them um and quoting movies but do you have like i'm kind of getting the idea that maybe this is your favorite beast out of this series or do you have others that you like or is there one you like better than the phoenix um
1: that's a really good question i've never like sat down and thought like what are the beasts I think... (laughs) So you um, didn't
0: need these new movies at all, is what you're saying.
1: (laughs) I did not. I saw the first one, and I think I stopped after that. (laughs) Um, I like... But I do remember Newt's little guy. He looks like a grasshopper. His little twig. Yes, he's cute. Um, But I have to say, like, ones I enjoy the most, like, Fox is like, he's the greatest. He has healing powers. He just comes and saves people. Like, the guy's a real hero, so... Fox, Fox
0: and Phoenix, man, they gotta take it for me. Fox is dope. He yeah, is. but unfortunately, <laughs> uh, Harry finds Fox on Burning Day, uh, which is a phrase coined here in about three paragraphs, and uh, he bursts into flames right in front of Harry's eyes. And I want, I want to take a trip into Harry's brain for just like a moment here. I'm here in this office. For the crime of petrifying Justin Finch Fletchley and nearly headless Nick. And I didn't do it. Now I'm going to get blamed for killing this crazy looking bird that belongs to the headmaster who oversees my punishment and I didn't do that either. How is this dude not just passing out or shitting himself just right here right now in, in this office space?
1: When Harry lacks an ambition, he has an iron backbone. Like, I would literally be crying. I would just be an absolute disaster. Um, so I, I admire him very much for his ability to take shit like this and then just, like, be like, okay, cool. It's fine. It's all going to be fine. Because I'd be hyperventilating.
0: <laughs> yeah, and as fate would have it, or plot, you have this buildup for suspense, and it's this very moment that Dumbledore walks in the door. We knew that that's how it was going to go down. What would be surprising is if it took another, like, five minutes, and he then he showed up, and you're just kind of, like, seeing Harry sitting in a chair waiting. Uh, but his reaction <laughs> catches Harry by surprise because he isn't pissed. He's kind of just matter-of-fact about it, and he explains about how Phoenix is and, you know, all the, all the background about how they, you know, die with the flames and then they're reborn from the ashes and it's really a marvelous creature and all of that shame you had to see it on a burning day these this exchange and harry's kind of like oh cool he doesn't think i killed his pet so that's nice um and that's when we're interrupted by hagrid who bursts in the door swinging his cock around and yelling about how harry isn't guilty and it kind of takes a minute for dumbledore to get him to shut up long enough to say he knows that Harry's not guilty, he didn't do anything. Um, And then Hagrid goes to wait outside. But there's something that he says in this exchange that I latched onto and I want to pick your brain on. Uh, He says, I'll swear it in front of the Ministry of Magic if I have to. Is there anything about that statement that kind of just, like, hits you or am I the only one?
1: It didn't when I was rereading it, but now that you said it, considering we don't yet know Hagrid's history, Mm -hmm. but knowing Hagrid's history, that is interesting, because theoretically he's the heir of Slytherin anyway, so Mm -hmm. yeah, that is weird that he would go, I mean, we know Hagrid's loyal, so that's not the weird part, but like, the fact that they would even consider Harry when there's another one there, technically.
0: Yeah, there, there's definitely that. So that I, I feel like that's a little bit more on the plot hole side. But yeah, this is... And this is actually... This one little sentence is actually the type of writing that I love best in this series. And quite frankly, the type of shit that I started this podcast to talk about. Mm-hmm. Because it has so many different layers in just this one simple line of dialogue. I count three in this one of different ways that you can read this you have one Hagrid cares about Harry willing to stick his neck out for him in a court of law that's Mm. super nice and comforting probably (laughs) the way that you read the first time through the series yes then you have two Hagrid was expelled from Hogwarts can't legally do magic that seems to be the equivalent of having a record in this world What good is a character witness with a record for Harry on the stand in said court of law? And maybe that's closer to, like, your second time through. Mm -hmm. And then you have three. The route you were going, which clearly means you've read this more than two times. Hagrid was (laughs) expelled for opening the Chamber of Secrets, for unleashing a monster that killed a student in the school. He was scapegoated, found guilty, and what of exactly what Harry's being accused of right now, which, there's your plot hole, like, duh. (laughs) In the eyes of the Ministry of Magic, Hagrid is the culprit right now, and the culprit coming to volunteer that Harry isn't guilty is kind of an admission of guilt and inviting the speculation back onto Hagrid.
1: Yeah, and now that I'm thinking about it, uh... Wouldn't the heir of Slytherin... So, say Hagrid's the heir of Slytherin, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Wouldn't the heir... The second coming of the heir... If it's not Hagrid... Wouldn't it have to be Hagrid's heir... In order for that to work?
0: In theory, I also... Like... I hate to make it this damn simple... But, like... The heir of Slytherin's gonna be in Slytherin house. Yeah. (laughs) Can we start there? Yeah. (laughs) I mean... we sure as shit know that Hagrid wasn't a Ravenclaw, but I'm pretty sure it's cl- canon that he was in Gryffindor. Although he I didn't feels, know that. I think it. I think it's canon that he was Gryffindor. Personally, I think he's a Hufflepuff. Um, oh,
1: that was my first guess. If you hadn't said that, I would be like, oh, he's a Hufflepuff.
0: He calls him a bunch of duffers, um, oh. and so like he wouldn't say that about his own people. Quote unquote. "I'm I'm pretty sure it's canon that he's Gryffindor. I don't know where it actually is ri- is written. I think it's wrong. I think he's I think he's definitely a Hufflepuff. But he sure as shit ain't no Slytherin.
1: Not a million years.
0: And it should have probably broke everything. Although, I mean, I guess the only thing the only thing that I wonder is last time the chamber was open, did we have the same kind of events? I I don't think we know this, but like" The message on the wall, the heir of Slytherin, you know, enemies beware, all that shit. Like, did we have that theater the first time? Maybe it wasn't as widely known that this was, like, tied to Slytherin and the Chamber of Secrets and whatnot. Because then, again, just unraveling this giant pile of plot hole, uh, Professor Binns would have been teaching the first time that it was open, if it was common knowledge that it was actually open and that's what killed Moaning Myrtle, like, would have known, so he wouldn't have been telling the students a couple chapters ago that it doesn't exist and it's never been found and never been corroborated. It's just a rumor, blah, 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 blah. You know damn good and well that it exists because shit happened before. It. But whatever. Yeah. I don't know.
1: There's a lot of things here that... It's like a colander, I feel like. Like, the plot is like a colander in this book a little bit and there's like a little... You know, holes for all the water to go through. Sorry, I'm doing metaphors today. Or I guess that's a simile.
0: You're above my head. I'm I'm only <laughs> part Ravenclaw because I'm kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, before I make myself sound any stupider, uh, Dumbledore didn't think Harry was guilty, like, for a second. Of course he didn't. We know that. Um, he knows who was guilty the first time. We mentioned that earlier. He's already... He's already working toward the how. It's happening again. Not the who is doing it part of this investigation. Remember how I said a couple chapters ago with Professor McGonagall in the hospital wing? He says, you know, it's not, it's not who. It's how. It. Mm-hmm. It. We. He knows more or less what the hell's going on, and he hits Harry with what kind of becomes a. I don't know. I'm going to call it an iconic line. I don't know that it's all that iconic, but it's a it's definitely one that he we see come back up again with I must ask you, is, well, maybe I should do it. I must ask you, Harry. Is there anything you wish to tell me? What do you do in this situation if you're Harry?
1: I feel like I would say something. I'm also, like, a real square. Like, you have to know that about <laughs> me. So, like, if there's an authority figure, like, or I a cannot calendar. lie. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I cannot. So I would just be, like, like, I would blurt it all out. I cannot. I have no, like, poker face. I can't lie when there's an authority figure in front of me asking a question. It's just going to come out for better or worse. Strategically, I also don't understand the choice not to trust Dumbledore because I think... Dumbledore is showing faith in Harry, and he's shown nothing but faith in Harry. Yes, he doesn't tell Harry Jack shit, which I think <laughs> you know starts most of the problems in this series. I think when I was reading this passage, one of the things that struck me was if they would just like have an open dialogue and like talk to one another, most of the problems in these books like would be solved within twenty pages. I understand they can't be because what's the point? But like, can we? Yeah, just Yeah, they like, have talk to be eight
0: hundred page books. Come exactly.
1: On. So. You know, obviously Dumbledore and Harry can't talk, but I think, you know, Dumbledore has opened the door to have that conversation. He's always trusted Harry, so I don't necessarily—and he's open-minded in the sense that, like, I know Harry's big reason is, like, well, Ron told him if he heard—he was hearing voices, people would think he was nuts. I think Dumbledore's the last person who would think that he was nuts because— I mean, have you met Dumbledore? So like, I don't know, all of his like arguments to me besides just like my inability to lie to authority figures are just like hogwash and I'm like, "No, just like, you know, ask for help for once in your life, just like do it, you know?"
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think there's I think there's something to one, we're still early. I mean, we do have the the uh cursed not child of Having already read through the series and know how the relationship between these two characters develops and how um, not forthcoming Dumbledore is throughout, that we sort of start that really early. At this point in time, Harry's only talked to Dumbledore, like, twice. I guess three times if you count on the Quidditch pitch where he just, you know, kind of gives him a little nugget of encouragement. Like, they don't, they haven't built a relationship, which, again probably Dumbledore's fault um so I guess he doesn't know how Dumbledore would react or if he would even believe him that he's you know not nuts or like of all these things that are happening but I'm kind of so obviously he he says no and he he thinks through and this is the part that I'm that I think is important he thinks through it's actually explicitly written that he thinks through his suspicions and all and some of the plot points that have gotten us to this point so now i'm just gonna ask do you think dumbledore already knows
1: knows sorry all
0: of it everything that harry just spilled out the you know the um his oh what's it? how's it start his suspicions of draco the polyjuice the hearing voices like kind of all the thing the them planning to do something about it like do you think he knows this stuff going in
1: i think there's very little that goes on in hogwarts that dumbledore doesn't know about um i think you know snape i don't remember sorry this is on me i don't remember if snape figured out the things had been stolen from him quite yet um, Mm. at this point in the book. But, you know, they've stolen from a professor. They are making a very pungent, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, brew, if you will, in a bathroom that, albeit abandoned, there's a ghost in there. So, like, you know, they're not totally undetected. And I just think, you know, you've talked about how in the past Dumbledore kind of has eyes and ears everywhere. Some of it him, some of it not him. I just think there's not much that Dumbledore isn't aware of, and I think especially when it comes to Harry Potter.
0: Well, yeah, and they had to get a note from a teacher. They had to get permission to even get the book to know how to make it. I went down that theory hole. (laughs) Like, either Dumbledore's already pieced some of this together, or he might be getting it right now. I don't remember. Like, I I think it's not until book six that we actually learn it, but... Dumbledore is a very talented Legilimens. Mm-hmm. And I think... I don't think it's an accident that Harry was thinking all of the pertinent points. I don't think it's a stretch to think Dumbledore was literally reading his mind in this moment. Because he's totally. better at it than Snape. Like, we know that that's the case. And here come the Snape social media truthers that don't listen to this <laughs> podcast anyways. Um we i think we know this because of some of the conversations that he had with harry following the occlumency just disaster plus how he got some of the memories from like morphin and stuff in book six like he's like it took very very skilled legitimacy to even obtain this stuff and it's like the thought that he could be reading a 12 year old's mind that's standing right in front of him without that 12 year old knowing especially that 12 year old being harry like yeah, I mean, shit's probably, he's like, yep, that's kind of what I thought.
1: Yeah. No, totally. I mean, and at this point, too, like, Harry, I know the whole point with Snape was teaching him how to not let that happen, right? Mm-hmm. Harry has not had any of that training. Heck, he was not very good when he was in training as a much older wizard, that's let kind. alone someone who's never, yeah, <laughs> who's never really practiced, you know, that much magic because he lived with a bunch of muggles for most of his life, like, he's totally unprepared for the level of wizardry that is happening in that room right there, so I totally it, see that happening.
0: And Dumbledore's one of the few that we get tangible, on-page proof that... I mean, Dumbledore's got the Elder Wand, but he don't need enough. He doesn't need... A, he <sighs> regularly practices... Or, I say regularly. We see him practice wandless magic, and we don't see a lot of doing that stuff like he doesn't he doesn't have to make a show of it to know like to be doing the magic anyways um enough Dumbledore um <laughs> dick riding I guess um why'd he ask this question was this like a test of some sort
1: I think everything with Dumbledore is a test I feel like I oh, like right. generalize with him but like it's true like he I think at this point you mentioned how you know he and Harry have not really built a relationship yet, and the way that I was kind of viewing things before was, like, obviously seeing how it evolved over the books. I think this is Dumbledore's way of testing where they are in their relationship and how much Harry trusts him. So it could be, you know, obviously if he spills his guts to him, he knows that, like, for whatever reason, he sees him as someone who is in his corner. But I think the way he does react shows that Harry has this mindset where he... Trust Ron Hermione, sort of trusts Hagrid with a little bit here and there, but knows Hagrid has a big mouth, so, like, that's, like, another thing. But, like, other than that, like, yeah. He, like, keeps his circle very, very tight. So I think this is, you know, Dumbledore's way of realizing, like, I'm not in the inner circle yet, and, like, maybe I need to be because this kid is, like, my ticket to finally defeating the Dark Lord.
0: I think that's... I think there are a lot of things interesting that you just said. Um, One... I hadn't considered him using it as a test of like where he is with Harry. Um, and I think that's re- that's a really interesting take. I also like how you ended that as saying that Harry is his ticket to defeating Voldemort, because <laughs> I, st- I think at this moment in the books, Dumbledore is still absolutely an asset collection mode. And oh, this, yeah. you know, this is my queen on the chessboard. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have, while I don't think he ever had just like a complete, You know, dissociated like detachment from Harry from an emotional standpoint. He would, he's definitely not at the point where he's like, Oh, I truly, truly care about this child right now. Yeah. He's like, This child is key for us. It's unfortunate that it has to be him, but it has to be him, and we have to make this shit happen at this stage of the game. And I think that it's also, I think he's also testing his character how is he going to react is he is he going to tell me everything is he gonna keep it to himself can he keep shit to himself yeah is he gonna try to like do shit on his own is he loyal to like his friends is he because if he says this stuff to Dumbledore he's incriminating his friends yeah like in this moment Dumbledore is the authority figure is he gonna drag his friends along with it like what how is harry going to treat these types of situations and can he keep his mouth shut and i think after this moment dumbledore kind of employs the what he learns here in the plan and like how it plays out the rest of the series secrecy confiding and trusting only in his closest friends like would he have At least I think he may have laid out his master plan of how he uses Harry, very much the sense of the word, to defeat Voldemort and, like, how he goes about that. What skill... What if Harry is forthcoming here and, like, shows a different type of character, like, what other skills or, like, character traits would Dumbledore then have utilized... (laughs) in like how he moves Harry forward to this you know quest that he's on
1: that's a good question I think one thing that stands out about Harry because you mentioned earlier he's like Harry's not very smart but what (laughs) Harry is and I know you've mentioned this in the pod before is like he is a good leader like for Mm -hmm. whatever reason he has that innate ability to get people to follow him and so I think you know your idea that like um, Dumbledore emphasized that trait of secrecy and being able to hold secrets in. That's one way, but then if Harry had spilled the beans, he could have been able to emphasize his ability to be a leader because I think mm-hmm. Harry's looking at this strategically and saying from our team, you know, we don't have the resources as 12-year-olds to like take on whatever this is. So let's get someone who's like way better at magic to help <laughs> us out and like support us. You know, that's a strategic leadership idea. move. Right. So I don't know, like maybe that's how that would have played out.
0: I like it. I do. I I'm a fan and (laughs) you can go ahead and write that fan fiction for us um, starting now. (laughs) Anyway, so the buzz around the school is still Harry's the heir of Slytherin. And the only people that seem to be enjoying it are Fred and George. Um, We get our (laughs) mandatory snapshot of how Ginny's coping with everything that may or may not come up again later in this podcast. And all of a sudden, it's Christmas. We have gifts, we have a feast, we have a jolly good time. And just as Harry and Ron are about to put themselves into a food coma, Hermione kills the buzz and goes into business mode. And here we get the plan. And we, we got to talk about the plan. Because yes. Ron is absolutely right. There are so many ways that this plan can go wrong. The whole plan is, and follow me here, give <laughs> Crabbe and Goyle chocolate cake spiked with sleeping potion. Apparently, being dumb and fat means they'll eat anything in front of them without a second thought. <laughs> so, make sure that they eat them, and then rip their hair out. Easy enough! That's the totally plan. That's, what, <laughs> yeah. that's it. That's the whole plan <laughs> that we have. And we, at some point here soon, learn that that's literally as far as the plan goes. So, they set them on the banister. These dudes scarf them down on cue, because this is a, you know, children's book. Um... <laughs> And we're now we're we're drinking our classmates, and we're definitely going to talk more about Polyjuice Potion here in a little bit. So I don't want to hope, harp on like everything about Polyjuice Potion too much, but it's described in great detail to be highly unpleasant, and yet they survived through it. Uh, but Hermione, at this point, just like bows out of <laughs> the plan, assuming there's any more to it. <laughs> she won't come out of the stall. Ron and Harry you, are trying to, like, perfect their impersonations. And immediately, the plan goes to shit. Because they've got no idea where the common room is and what to do next. The clock's ticking. Their disguises only last an hour. And they're completely lost. How is there no discussion <laughs> at all about what do we do after we look like these people? Yeah. None...
1: I think, honestly, I'm most disappointed in Hermione because as has been well-established, she's the brains. And, like, if she thought through her simple, albeit successful, plan to get their hairs, how was this not a question? There's a part of me that wonders, like, did she actually know where it was because she didn't think it was a problem because she had an idea? But then I'm like, but why wouldn't she tell them? maybe she assumed they also knew because I think Hermione gives them way more benefit of the doubt than they actually deserve brain-wise, you know? (laughs) I think she thinks a lot more people are closer to her level than than they really are. So maybe she just assumed they knew, but something tells me that someone as strategic as Hermione would not have gone into this without 100% knowing where that common room is.
0: I want to agree with you. (laughs) <laughs> I do. I want to. I have to believe that there's s- at least some more of a plan in Hermione's head that she fully yes. intended to go with them and like play out. So she didn't even tell them everything because she's just like, I'm gonna, we're gonna do this thing, and I'm gonna take it from there. Yeah. I want to believe that that's the case. However, <laughs> I uh, would like to bring into uh, exhibit A for the court. Their infiltration of the Ministry of Magic in Book 7, They, Harry literally brings up in the dialogue at some point in time, or at least in his internal monologue, I guess. uh, He didn't say it out loud. But once they're in the ministry, he goes, I can't believe how foolish we were. We spent all of that time planning meticulously how to get in and literally never discussed what to do once we were in here. <laughs> and I'm feeling like it's a character thing. This is the this is the first version of this is how we get to here. And then fuck, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. I actually, I love that because I feel like that's very Hermione to, like, hyper-focus on one thing (laughs) and then just kind of forget the rest exists. Like, she's like, books. What are people? You know, like, and this is kind of, like, that exact same thing, but, like, with a plan. She picks one part and then she's like, but the rest of it will be fine. Like, what is this? I totally see. I love that, actually.
0: You would also think that they would have grown beyond 12-year-old planning capacity by the time they hit 17 but ideally yes there's a lot less <laughs> development in, in these books than we thought maybe they should learn something in school uh anyway yeah. <laughs> so luckily luckily they wander into percy which is a sentence i never thought i'd say out loud and he's absolutely pompous percy and i quote i am a prefect nothing's going to attack me <laughs> I would, I would say, give me your reaction to this sentence, but I think there's only one possible. So we'll just skip right on to <laughs> our plot savior coming in the form of Draco Malfoy, who retrieves them from the conversation with Percy in a completely disrespectful way, as only a Malfoy can, and he drops hints about Percy sneaking around, which, again, may come up later, and <laughs> we learn what the Slytherin common room password is. Pure blood. As if we needed more fuel to the Slytherin is the racist evil house narrative, their password is pure blood.
1: We love okay. that for them.
0: Ombre. It's, it's wonderful, especially considering we know that there are half bloods in that house. Exhibit oh, yeah. Snape. The <laughs> leader of the house, or whatever, head of house for that house, is not even a pure blood, but is totally mm-hmm. fine with pure blood being the password. <laughs> Side note, Snape sucks We learn that Ron's dad is under investigation from the whole flying car debacle Which we knew was a thing from Molly shouting it to everyone in letter form But now we see that Draco's dad is actually playing like a key role in trying to get him fired and talking about it in the media You know, politics it's Voting season <laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh but it throws Draco into a mood to trash Ron's family and trash Dumbledore, trash Harry, spout racist bullshit, but it it finally gets us to the point of why we're here at all. Thank God. Uh he tells us that he doesn't know who the heir of Slytherin is, but that he wishes that he did so he could help. And then he plot explains that a muggleborn was killed last time that the chamber was open and He volunteers the information that he hopes it happens again and that it kills Hermione. I can't go too far into this because I rant enough about Draco and his social media warriors will come after me with pitchforks, but I'm going to say a few words and then I'm going to let you say everything that's on your mind because this kid sucks. His dad sucks. (laughs) And I understand that he does have an uphill battle to being a decent human being. He's not starting on the same level playing field from a uh, character standpoint. But these people who are in this fandom that chalk up all of Draco's behavior to being his dad's fault and not his own, I submit to you voluntarily wishing death upon your classmate. Repeating racist rhetoric that you heard at home is one thing. Going out of your way to say that you want to assist in the murder and proactively choosing your target is serial killer shit. Please. The floor is yours because I can't.
1: (laughs) I just... It's hard for me to remember sometimes that this is a 12-year-old because to your point, he's like... I hope it's Granger. But at the same time, I think it's not worth not mentioning that he dislikes Hermione so much because he is a 12-year-old boy and he is competitive with her for top marks in the class, which I think is just, like, insane to juxtapose I want her to die because she's smarter than me. Like, very 12-year-old, but also very not. And it's just, like, that whole section... I just was like oh my goodness like he's a literal turd like I have nothing else to say just like the world's largest fart like that's it
0: <laughs> and he will forever now on this podcast be known as the world's largest fart <laughs> <laughs> so this conversation ultimately just tells us that is not the heir but is the world's largest fart uh his dad is worse and What I'm finding kind of interesting here, though, is that he wouldn't tell Draco who it was that was expelled for opening the chamber last time. And we mentioned earlier that we later in this book learned that it's Hagrid. But does Lucius not know who it was?
1: So I have a few things about this. One, I've always tried to put together, like, how old Tom Riddle is in comparison to Lucius Malfoy. Like... They were not school contemporaries, right? Like they like Tom right. Riddle's older, right?
0: Right. I don't believe that so we get we get some name drops in like Slughorn Memories in book 6 and I do not recall a Malfoy name drop. I do believe that Lucius is younger um by a decent little margin and likely came into the fold some way by way of Bellatrix. Because we do get like a Lestrange like mention of some that's my guess. I don't maybe there's companion canon bullshit that's been written for this, but like that makes sense to me. I do think Lucius is um I think Lucius is clearly older than say like the Marauder Mm -hmm. era. I peg Lucius as Um, Molly Arthur time period kind of like the in between the two and sort of that era's version of like these people went this way to support you know Dumbledore and these people went this way to support Voldemort and he was in that group I believe
1: okay cool thank you I've always wondered that and I was like I need to ask someone who is way more versed in this than me so
0: I mean I could be full of shit but that's how it works in my head.
1: <laughs> but like, I feel like all of your points were logical and they made sense, so I'm going to go with it. I'll take it. But <laughs> that just means he wasn't at Hogwarts when it happened, right? So we did not right. visually see all of that. I think one thing that strikes me about kind of Voldemort and the whole thing is, yes, Hagrid was the scapegoat, but at the same time, so he was like a means to an end, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I think he wants everybody to know he's the heir of Slytherin, so I think part of the reason that Lucius doesn't say that it was Hagrid is that it almost, like, debases the idea of, like, the heir of Slytherin, or, like, brings it down a peg because of the way they treat Hagrid and think about Hagrid is like, mm-hmm. oh, it's this magical, like, heir of Slytherin, he's amazing, and he only believes in pure bloods and blah, 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 but then it's... Hagrid like you know what I mean like in their <laughs> head like that what a disappointment you know and also like knowing that it was Tom Riddle aka Voldemort like you don't want to necessarily like associate it with someone else you almost want to give him the credit but because you can't quote-unquote legally like this is the best he can do to like protect who really was the heir Slytherin
0: I think those are good points I think that it's um I just I think there are holes in it, I think what you just said makes perfect sense. Um, I think that it and I think that it only makes sense that Haggard is not widely known as the person mm-hmm. who was accused or expelled for um the Chamber of Secrets being opened. Uh perhaps like I said, perhaps there was less drama about it yeah. in the first time like maybe it wasn't known school wide that like um, it was the air of Slytherin opening the chambers, like that's tormenting the school or whatever. Maybe it was just bad shit's happening right now and we might have to close. Is like all people knew, possibly. Yeah. And then, oh, that Hagrid guy got, they got rid of that Hagrid guy, you know, so everything's fixed now. Um, maybe it's, maybe that explains some of it. I just think it's interesting because the Malfoys hate Hagrid. That becomes clear throughout the series. They mm-hmm. absolutely hate that dude. So if Lucius knew that Hagrid was the one expelled for this stuff, like he would be shouting this from the rooftop. I think the only thing that Lucius knows, and I think the reason that Lucius even knows about the chamber is because he had the diary for this purpose. Right? Oh, true. Like, Voldemort gave him the diary not under the understanding that this is a horcrux and a piece of my soul to protect. It was... This is a magical book that is going to allow us to like rid the school of muggleborns by like opening the chamber of secrets and unleashing hell on muggleborn students in the castle and I think that I think it was always a plan but Lucius wasn't supposed to do it until Voldemort told him to and then Voldemort was gone and so all yeah. you know he just took it upon himself to like do it and i don't think Voldemort loves that (laughs) when he figures it out that it happened but alas anyways i just the thing that doesn't fit though is that lucius is later present when fudge comes to get hagrid and take him to azkaban and there's no there's no like there's nothing that i recall that suggests that it's a surprise to lucius yeah that they're taking hagrid away for it and if that's the case that would imply that he knew and if he knew they definitely wouldn't be keeping that shit a secret. Like, they'd be magical megaphoning that everywhere. I don't know. I just don't think it all stands up together. Uh, anyways, so our dumbass duo is looking less like the dumbasses that they're impersonating uh, and a little bit more like their own normal level of dumbasses. And they're they're out of... they got to hightail it out of there before Draco realizes that it's not Crab and Goyle he's been talking to this whole time. Um... <laughs> And they find Hermione still in the stall. She never came out. And she's not back to normal like they are. It turns out she didn't use Millicent Bolstrode's hair at all. It was the hair of one of her cats. So now she's an unintended half-ass animagus, apparently. Which is great for her. I Um, know.
1: And with the most sympathetic ghost in all of the castle with her, too.
0: Right. Because Myrtle's all about the drama, and she loves it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, so they're going to take Hermione to the hospital wing because apparently Polyjuice is not meant for animal transformation and it's going to be a whole to-do to get her back to normal Uh, I I believe at some point in time we get uh, coughing up fur balls which is hysterical Uh, not as bad as slugs but hysterical Uh, and that's actually the end of the chapter Um, so is there anything that we missed that you want to hit on a little bit more or did we pretty much get the high notes? I think we got it. I'm feeling good. Nice. So that will lead us into... This episode is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcasts on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Explainiarmus. It's time to disarm your reluctancy and explain how you can support this podcast. Belated Binge is a fully independent production. I read the books, write the script, Record the episode, edit the recording, pick and produce the sounds, manage the content schedule, manage social media, promote the podcast, and feed Producer Jack. Any costs from equipment to software to website development, marketing, any of that comes out of my pocket. And despite how many times I've been told we look alike, I'm no Harry Potter. No half-giant has ever taken me to a bank full of cash and said, hey, you're rich! Having a podcast takes a lot. And it's not easy, so your support is literally the only thing that keeps the show going. and There are a few key ways you can support the podcast. First, word of mouth is absolutely huge. If you enjoy the show, please tell every one of your Potterhead friends to give it a shot. Also, many of the pod players now support a rating and review function. Apple, Spotify, GoodPods, Podchaser, just to name a few. And it takes about four seconds to leave a five-star rating on the app. This can be greatly impactful. If you have more than four seconds and the app that you're using supports written reviews, that's even better. Think about how reliant we are on reviews. Whether you're buying something new or deciding what book to read next, we're always looking at ratings and reviews to weigh into our decision. Podcasts are no different, and your positive review could be the difference in someone discovering the show and deciding to give it a chance. Another great way to support the show is engaging in the conversation yourself, whether it be answering the specific questions I pose during the show or on social media. Maybe you just have a theory of your own or you want to leave some feedback. I'd love to hear from you and maybe even share it on the podcast. You can submit your thoughts by leaving a voicemail on the website, belatedbinge.com. Just click the little leave a voicemail icon on the page that you visit. If you don't like the sound of your own voice... You can also respond in written form by using the contact form on the website, leaving comments or DMs on social media. My handle is belated binge across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can also email belatedbinge at gmail.com. The final and perhaps most impactful form of support is to become a patron on Patreon. I've made a ton of updates to Patreon membership benefits this season and some goals to shoot for as well. There are currently six tiers available, designed to fit any budget level ranging from $1 to $20 with all the bells and whistles. So, Benefits range from early access to ad-free versions of the show, recognition on the website, bonus episodes, patron shoutouts, show prep notes, insider participation, binge award participation, input on show content, and future benefits, a drawing for a physical gift sent from me to you and others. I've also set some growth goals that'll unlock new benefits for existing tiers and maybe even adding some more stuff as we go. The first goal is to get 10 total patrons, at which point I will start a patrons discord server. However you choose to support the show, thank you. I truly appreciate it. Now, let's get you back into the flow of the episode. Lumos. Let's pull out our wands and light the tips. But we're not blowing smoke. We're here to illuminate polyjuice potion. For starters, let's just get the general thing out of the way. Where do you stand on polyjuice in general? Like, it's existence, period.
1: (laughs) I think it's pretty cool, to be honest. Yeah? Taking it back into a Marvel thing real quick. You know, you have, and this is terrible because I cannot remember her name, so apologies, but like, Jennifer Warren's character- I know, I know. I don't spend a lot of time with the X-Men movies, that's why. But like Jennifer Lawrence's character in the X-Men movies, right? She can totally change her appearance. How amazingly like useful is that to like get where you need to go. Oh, are you being so mystique. Right? Yes, mystique? thank you.
0: Oh, there that's we go. The yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: I saw so, like, X-Men as a kid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's been a hot minute. Um, but yeah, like those are so useful. So like as if I'd wanted it as a superpower, why wouldn't I want this gross drink that could make me do it? If I wasn't born with the superpower,
0: that you get to drink every hour, apparently. Um, yeah, gross. So I guess, so I guess, it, you obviously are in favor of the uh, of its exist, of just the potion in general. Yes. Do you have any problem with like the loss of agency for the person that's like being impersonated at all?
1: yeah i mean if you're the drinker it's all good if you're the impersonated not so much you know like okay if you're gonna look at like what's happening now that would be like even remotely similar like the idea of like ai and like all those like tiktok videos of like fake keanu or whatever like that's totally not keanu but like it looks like he's doing all this stuff sure he doesn't love that you know like i wouldn't love it if someone like made an ai of me that's kind of the same thing as someone like changing their whole like features to be me like what what would they do I don't know how could they do it like there's a lot there's a lot of things they could totally mess up your whole life
0: yeah and I think and tying it back to your uh point about like mystique I think it's and I could be totally wrong about this but I think that it's like fairly um I think it's fairly accurate to say that she's only changing in outward appearance of like what you see like, but like underneath she's still her like kind of scaly self or whatever like she mm-hmm. doesn't and I don't want to make this totally gross but like in Harry Potter like you are becoming that person with every single anatomical feature at all and so if you're the person being like polyjuiced into like let's just on OnlyFans, you get to pick flattering angles at least, but, like, yeah. somebody polyjuices into you every single flaw, every single bit about yourself, even not the most private bits, is just on full display to that person that becomes you. I mean, we get, you know, jokes about tattoos that, you know... I knew Ginny sure, was joking about that tattoo, Harry. Like, you know, and... Hermione is like oh my gosh your ice like really is awful and that kind of stuff where it's like you get everything imagine yeah. being like I don't know, imagine being like romance in these books is awful right like it's truly terrible. awful yeah but imagine being like yule ball-ish age and you're like Ron or Hermione and for whatever reason they have to polyjuice into like each other how awkward is like Later, when they become a thing, it's kind of like, "Oh yeah, I knew about that birthmark from yeah, when I was right? you."
1: <laughs> I didn't think about it that way. I was more it's, like, "What are they gonna do to ruin my reputation?"
0: Right, but like, I mean, that's a piece too, That's definitely a big piece of it too. But I, like, there's also this layer of like, privacy is out the window in every oh, sense totally. of the word.
1: Well, that was one of the things too that like. I don't remember thinking about when I was first reading the books, but like when Harry talks about how painful it is to feel his like knuckles expanding and the mm. muscles, I was like, Oh my God. Like, you know, Mystique <laughs> does her whole thing and she's like, Poop, and she's like, good to go. And like, these yeah. people are literally like growing like bones. and I was like, <laughs> Oh my God. I was like, I'm good.
0: <laughs> yeah. This, it, and I guess maybe there's something to the amount of transformation that has to happen. like, I don't know. Think about the seven potters movie thing where like Fred and George have to shrink and like other Uh. people have to grow. And like, is it worse for floor and Hermione who literally have to like go through a full everything transformation than like a Ron who's like kind of, you know, generally, I think Ron's supposed to be taller. So maybe Ron's the wrong, um, the wrong one but like there's there's got to be somebody in there that's like generally the same build and height as Harry or whatever like do they have to have less (laughs) to to like go through I guess to transform I don't know it's very weird and then it led me down this weird thought pattern of this thing existing in the wizarding world are there 20 somethings at like wizarding world bars that are like polyjuicing into some really, really intense, like, extreme forms of, like, role-playing, literally becoming different people?
1: <laughs> That's a really is good this question. weird
0: underground, like, rave thing? I don't know.
1: I could totally see it. I really could. Just, like, ordering polyjuice Potion like a cocktail, I love it.
0: And, yeah, because cause people, I mean, there are people that are into that. If you ever watched, um, what is it, Four Christmases with Vince Vaughn and... Hell, if I can remember his co-star in that in this very moment, but they like it. Oh, the movie opens on that, right? Like they're pretending to be, and then they just go home and they're like, "Hey, that was fun." Yeah. Imagine Polly Juice. What yeah. the
1: fuck?
0: <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, uh,
1: there's a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity there to have some fun and also do some do some damage.
0: Right, and like go commit crimes and get caught visually, and then. Some, I, they, imagine heist, heist people put masks of like fake, I don't know, you, movie characters and shit like that just to like have a di- just polyjuice into somebody else and just f- be out in the open. I'm doing this crime.
1: <laughs> or better yet, like if you're like Malfoy who hates Hermione, right? You like go into Hermione and then frame someone you don't like for committing this crime. Yeah. It would be exactly. like two for one.
0: Exactly. Like I there's so many weird turns that polyjuice can take and weird like uh plot things that could be opened up by its sheer existence in oh, the totally. wizarding world that we don't see played out. That's It's kind of terrifying, if I'm honest.
1: With great power comes great responsibility.
0: <laughs> oh, dear god, it's time turner's time too. Um, speaking of which, um, the the level of plot convenience it also introduces, like yes. this comes back a lot. By my count, there's <clears throat> the whole year of fake Moody in book four. Uh, yes. Not to mention the subplot within it of Barty Crouch Jr. breaking out of Azkaban with Polyjuice Potion with his mom, which is kind of tragic and also kind of a fucked up storyline. Um, we have Crab and Goyle doing this in book 6 to pretend to be little first years. We have the seven potters in book 7. We have breaking into the ministry uh, in book 7. We have going to Godric's Hollow in book 7. We have Hermione as Bellatrix breaking into Gringotts in book 7. There's a bunch of like imposter, transfiguration, and Polyjuice kind of stuff in the Fantastic Beast movies, and we're not even going to get into the disaster that was Cursed Child. Did I miss any instances that you can remember of Polyjuice in this series after now?
1: I don't believe so.
0: So, how do you feel about it coming back so many times?
1: I feel like it was one of those things where the author was like, I'm going to create this as a plot device, and then realized every time she had a plot tangle, she could use it again, and it was the gift that kept on giving, but it works, so, you know, kudos.
0: (laughs) It does work. Uh, What about logistics? So, it takes the trio a month to make this stuff, and it's not, it's, there's, there's, we have zero indication that it takes them a month because they're 12. Like, it actually takes a month to make this shit. Mm -hmm. Yet, how feasible is it that there's enough just, like, on hand for all of the things that I just said to happen again in more spur-of-the-moment things? Like, does this stuff go bad? Like, is there just a vat of it that they can just pull from? Or is it literally just like is it plot convenience it's just here moody's prepared when you
1: when you first started your question all i could think of was like a constant like always on brewery of like polyjuice (laughs) potion that they had for whenever they needed it so that's what's living in my head canon and i've decided that's the answer
0: okay okay and it's run by (laughs) i mean it's got to be underground right it's got to be somebody that moody so moody was a pretty badass or at some point right like yeah Moody's got informants. Oh, totally. It's one of his PIs that runs this little underground polyjuice brewery, right? That's what's happening? All right. Oh,
1: yeah. Buy it on demand. Let's go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Click here. Amazon for polyjuice. I (laughs) Received by owl in two days. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, The few times that we get descriptions, like in this book, like you were mentioning, um, there's, like, a lot of pain and a lot of unpleasantness that goes with this but there's it's also described to be quite disgusting um particularly in this book with crab goyle and millicent bolstrode i think that's the bolstrode i don't know why i just have to say it multiple times bolstrode <laughs> um it's it's brought up that it's absolutely disgusting just gross essence of millicent is i think what they were Yep. Mm-hmm. The yep. face that you're making that nobody else can see, I feel you. Um, <laughs> but then in The Seven Potters, Hermione actually has a bit of dialogue and mentions how much better Harry, like, looked or tasted or smelled or whatever than, like, Crab and Goyle or something. And it's like, is it? W- I mean, thank you? I don't know. Like, how do you... <laughs> well also like the fact that it turned different colors per
1: person like she was like this gross like vomit yellow and they were poop brown and i was like that's freaking disgusting like i don't remember what harry's color was but i was like does the color indicate level of grossness yeah okay that makes sense
0: is it weird that people's like essence has a consistency (laughs) like a taste
1: I feel like if we're going to go, like, let's just take it, you know, Polly's Potion, face value, right? I feel like if you're going to take it at face value, this totally just is aligned, right? Like, it's like, all right, here's this drop thing, whatever, that, like, makes you turn into another person, and it's super painful, and it's super gross, but also there's this added layer that, like, whoever you're you're drinking the essence of, it really, like, you know, changes the whole color and the whole experience. I feel like if we're going to just, like, go all in on believing Polyjuice Potion that this is just the next level, you know? Like, you're like, yep, this, I'm gonna go A, let's go B, I'm here.
0: Okay, who has the most pleasant Polyjuice consistent experience? Let's say experience.
1: Luna Lovegood.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I like that. It's probably very quirky. Some, something about it very odd. I, I like it. I like that. Yeah, I was thinking. Like Oreos with
1: Pop Rocks. They're sweet, but also have a little, you know, they do make those. (laughs) I had them and they're kind of awful. But like, if you're into that, I could totally see why someone (laughs) would like it.
0: (laughs) Nice. I was thinking of, because it's not a secret in this fandom that this author uses physical appearance to also equate to good or evil. Value in general. In general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in general there's there's a there's definitely a correlation in a lot of cases um to that. I think it's overblown a little bit because we do get like Tom Riddle was very handsome and very I and mean, like very evil, but then ended up turning into like a snake monster. So I mean yeah. c- eventually turns evil. Umbridge is a squat ugly toad, Crabbe and Goyle big fat and ugly, the Dursleys ugly, ugly, fat, fat. We it's a theme, right? But then like Yes. You know, Harry is fairly decent looking, and Hermione turns into the belle of the ball, and like all of the, you know, the good people are handsome for the most part. But then, like, I, I present to you Lockhart. Uh, But anyways, so that led me to thinking somebody like a Fleur, who's Mm. like part Vila, and supposed to be like completely just gorgeous off the page, like. Probably has a much less awful experience <laughs> with polyjuice. It's probably like champagne with like yeah. a hint of some fucking crystals or something. <laughs>
1: I see it. I love that.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so all in all, I get. I guess I get less annoyed uh, than some about this being a very like convenient plot point i guess um i think it's kind of like when whenever we get uh, a point that we're trying to get to in the series that like a plot point that hasn't been fleshed out quite good enough or like important conclusions that someone writing this might not quite know how to get here we just get <laughs> or knows and we yeah. move on um <laughs> it that's kind of what polyjuice is we need to have a figure out a way to make the polyjuice, great. Um it's definitely not a lot, uh, moving yeah. forward and this chapter marks the introduction. And I'm sure that I'll have plenty to say about it the next eighty seven thousand <laughs> times it happens again. <laughs> Any other polyjuice thoughts?
1: No, I think my big one was like just being shocked by how painful it was and like not Ugh. remembering that. Um, so I wanted to hit that one. And now that I did, I'm satisfied.
0: All right. Oh, and that actually, that brings up another thing because you said you're a movie watcher more Mm -hmm. than a book reader, I guess you could say. Like, is that a fair assessment?
1: Yeah. I just, it's not just Harry Potter. I don't reread in general, so it's not Mm -hmm. exclusive to this series. So I'll, I'll watch a movie seven times before I'll reread a book.
0: Yeah. And that's fair. How do you feel about the change that they made inconsistently? I might add. About the voice, in the oh, book, yeah. it's clear that the voice changes. In the movies, they didn't change the voice except for when it was plot convenient, with like Moody, yeah, fake, movie.
1: which like is annoying because like it only like oh, it would terrible. totally give it away. Yeah. yeah, like you know, I mean Malfoy, for example, in this you know going in this particular chapter, yeah, Harry's voice comes out of crab and Goyle's body, like. It's definitely good. Like, even Malfoy, who's like, you know, he has his thick moments, like, he would know something's up. I don't know how yeah. much he knows about Polyjuice Potion at this stage, but like, it would completely put a hole in the plane. So, it makes sense that, you know, the voice would match the body. Also, if you're physically changing into that person, like, your vocal cords will also change. So, just even from a yeah. logistical standpoint, I don't get it. It annoys yep. me. I like consistency, I'm not a fan at all. <laughs>
0: And that's the correct answer. Uh, (laughs) With that, let's jump into... Divination. Divination. It's time to highlight four moments in the chapter that foreshadow something to come in the future. One. Harry was just thinking that all he needed was for Dumbledore's pet bird to die while he was alone in the office with it when the bird bursts into flames this is admittedly a little on the nose because uh, it pays off in less than two seconds i could have thrown in something here um like hagrid related lucius related but i feel like we touched on that plenty um but this what what stands out to me more here than the bird dying is it also is the meeting that kind of like lays the groundwork not between Harry and Dumbledore but this is actually a meeting between Harry and Fox and with the Sorting Hat because Fox ends up coming down to the chamber to help Harry fight the Basilisk and brings the Sorting Hat with it so this experience in the office with those two objects is like kind of a cool little foreshadow.
1: Totally and I also think too like Dumbledore says something there's a line in this chapter where he says something about the 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 phoenix and their loyalty and that whole you know that's why fox comes to him and so like that was something when i was reading that really stuck out to me too was like not only of course is it the first time we meet fox but it lays that that you know line between fox and loyalty and how he's always going to help harry as long as he's loyal to dumbledore
0: yeah that's absolutely very astute and and of course we also get like the um Tears have healing powers, and they can mm-hmm. lift heavy shit. And it's like, oh yeah, this is how we get out of the jail. Cha- I mean, come on. Uh, some of it's a. Some of it was meant to be foreshadowed, um, <laughs> too. Ginny didn't find it amusing either. Oh, don't! She wailed every time Fred asked Harry loudly who he was planning to attack next, or when George pretended to ward off Harry with a large clove of garlic when they met. Um, and that's a quote, by the way. Uh, all of these are quotes this has become a bit of a theme foreshadow because every time something happens with the heir of Slytherin in this book, we get a check in on Ginny, and we see her kind of like slow spiral into becoming more distraught and becoming more apparently just aware that this could actually be her. Like she's starting to piece things together and you can kind of see it. Um, and it's, it's very clever. It's very well done. It's the, types of shit that are awesome in this series uh and it's number two foreshadow for me
1: yeah it's interesting because i also picked that up when i was reading it because i obviously with the benefit of hindsight was like well i know who the air (laughs) not the air slytherin is but like you know who's opening the (laughs) chamber so that's always fun but when you were saying that it actually made me think about how you know she's spiraling because she thinks it might be her In a similar way that, like, Harry's spiraling, thinking that he might be a Slytherin, like, even though he knows he's not physically doing these acts, he thinks it's sort of possible that, like, maybe he, like, might be the heir, but, like, not opening it, like, you know, because he might be a Slytherin, so it's interesting that they're both spiraling, but, like, one of them is actually doing that, and one of them is just, like, gaslighting himself, so I thought that was, like, an interesting parallel, too
0: yeah and he kind of thinks that it it is and he kind of thinks that even though he doesn't know he's doing it with the weird voices he's hearing and stuff like that he's wondering like am i somehow doing this and i don't even know it yeah and which is the exact
1: same conversation jenny's having happening or having except the answer is yes
0: (laughs) yeah she's absolutely doing this and not even know it and she starts to figure it out uh it's crazy uh three percy ron corrected him automatically whatever said malfoy I've noticed him sneaking around a lot lately, and I bet I know what he's up to. He thinks he's going to catch Slytherin's heir single-handed. This is a fun one. I love bringing this up because this is like a, a side plot that's happening very, very deep beneath the surface of our main plot. Percy's kind of being treated a little bit as like a red herring or at least a distraction. And what's actually happening and what this is actually foreshadowing is that he's got a girlfriend. The girl that Harry and Ron ran into that got all huffy when they asked where, you know, for directions to the Slytherin common room. Like, her and Percy literally just hooked up somewhere nearby. Yep. And it's, to me, hysterical. I like having these moments of, like, levity, especially when you know what they're actually leading to. Uh, It's funny.
1: I think it's interesting because I'm just like, why Percy? Like, of all people, like, he's, like, so the worst. Like, you know, like from a a, a standpoint of like having a partner, I'm like, you know, like as the female, I'm going to give a female perspective here. No, (laughs) just no, you know, like, and I know that's why it's done. But like reading it, I'm like, ew, (laughs) like, no, not a million years.
0: I mean, it seems like we don't get a lot from her directly, but I mean, she is another prefect. Mm hmm. She does respond in this moment very pompous as shit. It's like yeah. maybe they're perfect for each other.
1: You know what, there is someone out there for everyone, and maybe Percy found his person. The one other thing I will say is like knowing that Tom Riddle was a prefect, and you know, Percy then in that same interaction says like, oh, he'd never attack or you know, the the heir would never attack a prefect, and you know, Malfoy's comment about him you know wanting to single-handedly find the heir of slytherin like one that's what tom riddle did when and Mm -hmm. you know listeners you can't see my air quotes but i am air quoting (laughs) the heck out of this because that's what he did when he found hagrid and two like little does percy know that not only is you know the heir of slytherin not above attacking another prefect but in fact is a prefect yeah is a prefect which is like very very interesting to me too
0: i like it I like it. Uh, Four. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Whoever it was was expelled. They're probably still in Azkaban. Azkaban? Said Harry. Puzzled? Azkaban, the wizard prison goyle, said Malfoy, looking at him in disbelief. Honestly, if you were any slower, you'd be going backward. (laughs) Great fucking line. Draco sucks. Great line. Yeah. Uh, This... This isn't a completely direct foreshadow, but it does pay off later when we learn that Hagrid was the one expelled for being scapegoated by Tom Riddle, and that they cart him off to Azkaban later in this book.
1: Yes, I also immediately think of Sirius and what's happening in the next book, um, because this is really the first time, I believe, that we have Azkaban mentioned by name, if I'm remembering correctly. I think you're right. So, you know, this really kind of sets that, you know, ground level knowledge dump, if you will, for like what we're going to really dive into next book as well.
0: Yeah, I like it. Uh, those were the four I had. Did you have any others that you wanted to hit on?
1: Um, no, I mean, I think that was it. Cool. We talked about the Polyjuice a ton, so I don't need to go into that. And oh, Moody, we but did. But that's one of my favorite things. So
0: We <laughs> did. Polyjuice. Polyjuice is a foreshadow to more polyjuice and more and more and more polyjuice. And I guess them not having a plan after they polyjuiced is a foreshadow to them later not having a plan when they polyjuiced. (laughs) So I guess we can go ahead and give away some. House House points. In true Hogwarts fashion, these points are completely subjective with no oversight and fully at my discretion. This week, I'm giving house points to Hermione for pulling off this potion and not killing all three of them. Ten points. Uh, Ron and Harry for somehow not getting caught, even though they were completely terrible undercover. They're getting five points collectively. Two and a half each because it's not worth that much. Um, (laughs) Fred and George uh, for bringing levity to this situation. Uh, Five points each. That is worth something. Yes. Any points you want to give away?
1: Yes, I want to give five to Hagrid for being the best loyal friend ever um, and willing to go in front of the ministry for Harry. Always a good, um, always worth something. And um, Fox for just being a badass and rising out of the ashes so that he can come save Harry later.
0: How five many? points. Five. five. We'll do five. Yes. Badass. Alright, so now we have to take points away, and I'm doing so first from Draco for being racist and wishing death upon a classmate. 50 points! And Dumbledore I'm taking away for not taking the opportunity in his office to counsel Harry in any way. Talk to him about what's going on, maybe try to help him. He's being alienated by the entire school but all the head of that school does is teach him about his pet bird and ask one question before sending him on his way. So for that, he's losing 10 points. Anybody you want to take points away from?
1: Well, Draco was my big one, so I Mm. appreciate that you called that out. I think um, I'll take two and a half points each from Crab and Goyle for being lured in by Sleeping Drought and Cake. Um... I don't know about you, but I do not just eat random food that I find laying around for a
0: reason. Uh, yep. I'm gonna go with two and a half each for dumb. Got <laughs> it. <laughs> I will add and subtract these from our tally for the end of this season's binge awards episode. Oh, speaking of which, it, did you listen to that one by chance? I believe so. Did yes. you enjoy it?
1: I did. It was fun. Great. We don't get to do stuff like that, so I love it when you can, like, you know, encapsulate the end of, a se- like, a season. That was super fun.
0: Nice. I'm very glad someone liked it. The only feedback <laughs> I think that stuck out to me when I did it was um, the hosts of When Harry Met Movies podcast. Shout out to them. Uh, but they actually, like, retweeted it, and they're like, this is worth the listen for the rap alone. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. Anyways. Uh, before we go, I'd say begrudgingly, but, like, this is kind of one of my favorite things about this podcast, is we have to acknowledge the moments in this chapter that were utterly ridiculous.
1: Ridiculous.
0: It's not an episode of The Binge if we don't call out what didn't make any sense at all, starting with the Sorting Hat telling Harry again that he could have been in Slytherin. I completely disagree. We talked about that. I think it's a stupid plot line. We talked about that. And I know I'm a minority in this. We talked about that too. But <laughs> I don't care. Uh, the whole plan that they have is ridiculous. We talked about that quite a bit too. It's ridiculous how little they actually planned. We talked about that too. Um, and what they they didn't even plan on, like, what they'd say to Malfoy to get him on the talk. They didn't do anything. It's ridiculous how they got the hairs we talked about that. You just talked about that. It's ridiculous mm-hmm. how bad they were undercover. We talked about that. And it's ridiculous that they didn't get caught. Now we're talking about that. It's ridiculous that the plan works at all. It's ridiculous that Hermione didn't think through past turning into their targets. It's ridiculous that this happens again in Book 7. A lot of this is just utterly ridiculous, and it's kind of ridiculous that Polly just exists at all. Yes. Anything stick out to you? That was ridiculous. Um. Also, just the very
1: convenient walk by of Malfoy when they needed to find the common room and get in there
0: very very ridiculous yeah very ridiculous and ridiculous that they asked the uh the chick that Percy was with um to where their common room was and she responds with like I'm in Ravenclaw like don't they have something on their robes that signifies what house they're in
1: well yeah and they're all like colored like they have the hoods have the color of the house on them
0: right like and if not the school robes because like the robes they get separately but there's something they have a sash they have something that indicates what house they're in i know yeah. they do in the movies like but i'm pretty sure that's book canon too like she would be in blue obviously yeah not green i mean maybe maybe crab and goyle are or are blind and that came through in the polyjuice i don't know it's kind of ridiculous with that we've reached the end of this episode of the binge as always shout out to producer jack who i work like a dog remember to follow and subscribe to the show on whatever podcast player you're using and if it supports a rating and review option please leave one please 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 and if you're so inclined check out the additional benefits available on patreon.com slash belated binge again Taylor, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Um,
1: Thanks for having me. This was a fun. lot of
0: fun. Plug anything that you want before we close up shop.
1: <laughs> sure. Um, so if you guys are fans of Marvel, you can check out our show, Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories, on any of the podcast platforms. Um, our blog is linked in any of our show notes, so if you want to check us out on the platform and then head over to the blog, you can find us there. And our main hub for any news coming out of Marvel and from our show is is Let's Talk MFT on Twitter. You should definitely give us a follow there as well.
0: Nice. Go do it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so if you're reading along next episode, we're covering chapter 13 of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Big shock because 13 comes after 12. And it's called The Very Secret Diary. I wonder what it'll be about. Until then, I'll see you next time on the Belated Binge Podcast.
1: It's okay, Hermione, Harry said quickly. We'll take you up to the hospital wing. Madame Pomfrey never asks too many questions. It took a long time to persuade Hermione to leave the bathroom. Moaning Myrtle sped them on their way with a hearty guffaw. Wait until everyone finds out you've got a tail.